days, we have been preaching here from the subject of all can be saved. And uh, we had preached on the God of whosoever. The Word of God tells us, Brother Michael, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, we were taking a look uh, at this and, and uh, preaching along these lines. And, and uh, this last week, uh, we, have, uh, we have dug in a little bit deeper uh, on the subject of salvation. There's, there's a few things that wanted to really unpack a little bit in regards to uh, what happens to us uh, and what we are partakers of when we are born again. And in this, uh, we are a lot of times uh, within the church. I want you to understand that uh, as we become familiar, if you will, with uh, the things of God, what God's doing in our lives, uh, it is easy for many to be able to say, yes, I have been saved. And, and as I said, to have an understanding of what that means when we say that we have been born again. Uh, in regards to that, we do know that that simply uh, implies the fact uh, that we have given our lives to Christ. That we believe that He is uh, the Son of God. And that he died for our sins. Uh, that his sacrifice, his blood has washed our sins, made us clear, clean. And uh, not only did he die for us, but he, today we know that he rose again. And uh, is at the right hand of the Father. And the word of God continues to say there that he daily, Sister June, makes intercession for us. Amen. And uh, as I have been, as we have been preaching about this and talking about salvation, that it is for whosoever, and uh, in the fact that the love of God, the power of God, reaches and extends and it draws and it deals. Uh, but we were looking at some specifics in regards that uh, I want you to understand really uh, when we talk about salvation and what that means for us as uh, children of God. What does that mean when, when, uh, when we say that we have been born again? I was sharing with the church uh, uh, last week and the fact that I was talking with the gentleman one time and, and, uh, and the question came up said, uh, are you saved? And this gentleman, had, he had no uh, uh, church background. He had not come up in the church or anything of that nature. And he looked at me puzzled and he said, what does it mean to be saved? He said, what do you mean by that? And, uh, uh, and, and so uh, just uh, in, in conversation talking uh, about what it meant to be born again. But when we use words such as saved or born again and things of that nature, uh, to those of us uh, who have been a part of the church and you are familiar with those things from the Word of God, uh, some would say, well, Brother Jacob, that's uh, elementary. We understand that. But here is something that I uh, know and I believe with all of my heart and that is is that we can never assume that we uh, that that people understand or know uh, as a matter of fact it's a it's a, a, a sad uh, statistic it's true it's a tragedy uh, but here we are in the United States of America we have gospel all around us we have Bible all around us and yet uh, never has there been a time before uh, where the church, the supposed church, has been so uh, illiterate when it comes to the Word of God. Uh, where there is, uh, we find that there's decline uh, in discipleship, in study of God's Word. We find as to where the Bible, for many, it is something that is only looked at when the pastor might give a reference and say, this is the text that we're going to preach from today, and at that point in time, open it. And, uh, and so we are finding that it's a tremendous uh, 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 deficit, deficiency when it comes to the Word of God. 
And as I have said, uh, some of the things that we're preaching in this sermon series, it is not at all to come across to where I think that anybody in here is by any stretch ignorant or unlearned. But I also do believe that it's important, it's imperative that we always get back to the Bible. Always look at what truth says. Amen. Because there's a lot of folks and one of the things that we've been saying in this sermon series is there's a lot of folks, sincere folks, church folks uh, who are often misled and misguided. Uh, Some are very sincere but as the terminology that we've used before, uh, there are some that are sincerely wrong in what they believe and or what they buy into or what they're holding on to, misled, distracted. Uh, because there are a lot of voices and there's a lot of opinions. And, and uh, when I say that there's gospel everywhere, uh, I, I will say that we have the freedom in America to share and preach and declare the gospel. But I can assure you that not every Facebook prophet ought to be listened to. Amen, Brother Jake. Not every, every Instagram reel of, the, of a certain uh, a preacher or church or evangelist or whatever. Be very careful uh, about what it is that you hear. There are things that sound very inspirational. There are some things that sound, well, that, that sounds good. That's, that sounds well and all of those types of things. Uh, I had a young lady in the church who uh, one day she sent me, she sent me a link uh, of the particular thing that she had heard and she said pastor she said I just uh, she said uh, I, I heard this and it sounded good and she said I just wanted to verify she said I wanted to uh, she said there's still some things I don't know and still some things that are learning and so I just wanted to verify she said I hope this doesn't trouble you or put you out I said absolutely not I said I would rather any day uh, that some Somebody just uh, uh, would do just that. Say, I just want to be sure uh, for the simple fact that way too often we're just buying into something and gobbling something up. And, uh, and it can be very misleading and it can be very confusing. And so as a result of this, we have been looking at these things. And, and uh, three things that we have been looking at in regards to salvation. And uh, I will state again the reasons why I think it's important to look at some of these, to look at these things. Uh, is because uh, I do believe that from the time that you are born again. When somebody has accepted Christ as their Savior, I want you to understand is that from the very get-go, you will find it does not mean that the devil backs off. It does not mean that hell leaves you alone. It does not mean that now you are in a utopia and that you don't struggle at all. It does not mean that your humanity is erased and that you don't ever have bad days or frustrations or temptations or, or where your, your mind and emotions are all over the place. And uh, somebody today, I won't tell you who they were, uh, but somebody today sent me a message and said, I do love Jesus but sometimes I want to I want to slap some people too sometimes amen now before you get all cross-eyed and religious sitting there all porcupine how dare somebody you don't don't even act that way because you felt that way sometimes too Amen. Maybe you didn't want to slap them, but you just said, well, I want to lay hands on them. But maybe not in a spiritual sense, right? Uh, There's been some times, I'll confess, it makes you feel any better or worse, whatever the case might be. Your pastor's been there a time or two, I promise you. Amen. To where you just want to shake somebody and say, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Why are you being that way? Whatever the case might be. But when I'm saying these things is that I want you to understand is that the enemy is always at work to upend, to uproot, to try to move 
move you out, amen, away from a relationship with Christ. I want you to understand whether it is things that we allow in, wedges that come, separations that come between us and our relationship with God, doubts and fears. I shared with you last week about Sister Amy Mason and at 85 years old, one of our shut-ins there uh, uh, that we ministered to in Illinois and uh, there she would be, Brother Steve, in her apartment. We'd go and pray with her and talk with her. And Sister Kelly at 85 years old, this was a woman of faith. She had been serving the Lord a long time, a praying woman. A woman had seen the hand of God in mighty ways in her life and in the lives of people that she loved. But Brother Torbert, it did not mean, as there were many times in visiting her, that she would sit there and cry. And she would say, because I can't pray the way I used to. I don't have the strength and I don't have the stamina, the ability. And Brother Danny, as a result of that, many times and we'd go in with communion to serve her communion and she'd say, I don't even know if I should take communion. I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. And at 85 years old, Sister Chambly, this was still a battle in her mind. Because it doesn't matter whether you're 8 or 85, the enemy will always work on you. There will always be things that fight against you and will challenge those things. And so we were looking at some specific things of what I want us to remember of what happens in regards when we are born again. So thank you for enduring this introduction. And if we can, would you stand tonight and let's turn to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And uh, we had looked last night, and let me just uh, reference these three things while you're coming to your place in Scripture. We were looking at, these are things that happen. This is what we look at uh, in regards to salvation. Number one is justification. That's what we were preaching on last week. When we are born again, we are recipients of justification. It is not in and of our righteousness, but it is the righteousness of Christ. He has provided for us justification. Growing up, we used to hear this term, and in order for us to learn the term, our children's church leaders, brother and sister Wilson, they would say, just as if I'd never sinned. And what this was, it was a reminder of what justification was. Sister Mildred, it did not mean that I never sinned, but but what it did is in the eyes of God, because of the work of Christ, because of the blood of Jesus applied over my life, now I had been made righteous because I was now justified in regards in my walk with God. I had been accounted and or declared righteous. Amen. And so we were looking at that justification. And then we are going to start reading here in regards to this. But Christ be became our propitiation. And then also we will look at what it means when we talk about redemption. And so justification, propitiation of what Christ is, and then what it means to be redeemed. Amen. And so here in 1 John chapter 2, we're going to be looking here as Christ is our propitiation. What does this mean? And John, 1 John 2, starting at verse 1, the Bible says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I love this, that it continues to point all righteousness. He is the source of all righteousness. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Listen to that. Keep that in mind tonight. Not just our sins, but the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. 
and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Amen. And can we tonight one more time pray? Ask the Lord to help us tonight as we break the bread of life together. Father, I thank you once again for the privilege to be in your house. Thank you for every heart and life represented here. And Lord, we do ask and pray your anointing, your anointing upon your word. And I pray your anointing upon the hearts and the ears of your people. I pray your anointing upon my mind and lips of your messenger. And I ask tonight that your word go forth in clarity. In the Function of the Spirit, hide me behind the cross, and Lord, I pray let you be seen and heard tonight. And Father, we thank you and give you praise, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. You can be seated this evening. I want you to understand tonight that when we look at this term propitiation, we come to find we also read about this as well out of Romans chapter 3, 21 through 26 is where we had taken a text last week. And when these specific things were mentioned, justification, propitiation, and redemption. And so as we look at these things and we begin to uh, break them down, I want you to understand tonight is uh, the significance, I want you to understand the significance of salvation, the significance of what it was that Christ had done for us. I know that it's easy for us uh, to, if I, if you will allow me to say it this way, it might sound a little bit harsh, but we sometimes uh, with a calloused heart, and what I mean by a calloused heart, I mean by we have said it so much, we've heard it so much that we kind of get uh, um, immune to uh, the real meaning of what is being said. That when we say that Christ died for our sins, uh, there are times that we have an attitude and our, our mindset or our heart would say something like, oh, well, that that's nice. You know, I, I really appreciate that the Lord did that for me. And, and uh, I, I'm thankful. And we'll quote scripture talking about the fact that uh, we just quoted it Sunday, uh, Memorial Day weekend, and also we were partaking in communion, and we quoted the scripture, greater love hath no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends, and, and uh, pay that price, make a sacrifice of himself uh, for those that he loves, and if we're not careful, as sometimes these phrases and this terminology, these are things that we have become very accustomed to, and if we're not careful, what happens, Sister Faye, is it, it loses its potency. It loses its power and what it should mean to us. This is one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul, teaching about partaking in communion, when we remember what Christ done for us, he had given a strict warning. He said, let a man therefore examine himself. One of the places of examination so that you don't partake of the cup or the bread which is symbolic of the body and the blood of Christ that we don't take of them unworthily because Paul said if you partake of it unworthily then you bring damnation unto yourself where you have not thought about anything you have not regarded the body of Christ I want you to understand that this comes with such a warning in the fact that Paul was advocating to the church that we not forget the price that was paid, that we not take lightly what has happened on our behalf. When we look at the term that Christ became our propitiation, I want you to understand the significance of this meaning. This means simply to make peace with, to appease, to patch up, or to make right. Amen. 
we find in this as to where Christ acting as our propitiation he was our substitute he took our place we understand these things but he did so sister Anna so that he could bridge that gap one of the phrases there was to patch up to to make an amends to appease the father you see I want you to understand and recognize and realize is that everybody in here we all have a past we all have a story we all have some things amen that we just don't tell everybody there are some things that we'd be embarrassed to death to talk about there are some things that we would just like to leave it under the blood and not bring it up again and that's perfectly fine and that's what the blood is for amen that's what it does but I will tell you this is that some times along the way and I'm going to preach tonight specifically to the church because it is dangerous of how often in the church we come to the place that it's seemingly that we have been in this so long we have been in so many services we have heard so much preaching we have heard so much singing we have done so many of the rites and the rituals and traditions that we are so often involved with not that they are wrong not that they are sinful not that they are are something we should not be a part of but I will say this we get ourselves so connected and in the formality of all these things that we can come in service after service we can sit in worship service after worship service we can sit and hear the preaching of the word we will see we have been a part of some of us have been a part of thousands upon thousands of altar calls but I will tell you this never before have we as a church been more in danger of having such a religious attitude such a a, a hard heart of some of us we done forgot about what Christ did we forgot about where we were wrong and he made it right we forgot about this mess that we were in and the sin that we were sinking in brother Steve maybe for some it's been years brother Coleman since you was in a bar room at a bar stool trying to drink your sorrows away maybe for some of you it's a long time when your attitude was sour and your words were wretched and your heart was wicked maybe it's been a long time ago since you were bound in addiction or since your marriage was nearly about to fall apart at the seams but I can tell you you can look back in the rear view mirror and see that had it not been for a God that stepped in for a God that loved us for a God that said they can't do it themselves but I'm going to step in and make a way I'm going to step in and be the propitiation I'm going to step in and I'll make it right hallelujah I'll make it right Oh, can I tell you, lest we forget that, and if we're not careful, seemingly in a large majority, we have as a church, and I'm not just talking about victory, I'm talking about the church. We can get so wrapped up, so called up in certain things, positions and titles and things that we're doing, but I want to tell you, I don't ever want to lose memory of Brother Chad, what he's done for me. I don't ever want to lose memory of the fact that what I had made a mess of, what I could not fix on my own, Brother Carey, what I could not, I couldn't do it right. Amen. How many times have we seen people that they will stay outside of the church because they're looking for a way to fix their problem before they ever come in? Amen. Hear me, I shared a couple weeks and nights back 
I was at the hospital, went to go visit Brother Lucas, and there was a, a friend of Lucas's who was up there. And this, this lady, she, ta- she told me before I left, she asked Sister Wanda and I to pray. And she said, I don't want to go into the church and be a hypocrite. I don't want to go into the church and act like everything's right in my life. And I'm sitting there and I know that it's wrong. And, and I told her, I said, listen, I said, no matter what you try to do, you cannot get it right. You cannot fix it. You cannot put it together. And how many times, heartbreakingly, have there been people that they won't come to God's house? I've heard, I've heard all the stories. I've heard all the excuses. And I've heard all the reasons. And let me say this, and it's not just for the lost who think they got to get it right. How many times have you and I sat there and we've sat on the Spirit of God and we've quenched the Holy Ghost and we've sat there like a bump on the log at times and we won't move and we won't go to the altar and it's not because you're mad at the preacher it's not because you didn't like the singing and it's definitely not because you can't feel the Spirit of God but somewhere in your mind you believe you're unworthy somewhere in your mind you think God's given up on you somewhere in your mind you don't know if God can make it right again because you feel you've gone too far and messed it up but I came to tell somebody when we're in his presence when we're in this house you're in the right place for God to begin to patch it together and God to make it right I want to let somebody know you're a candidate for God to put your life back together again Oh, from the novice to the seasoned, we all need the propitiation. We all need him to stand in our place and say, I'm the one that can make it right. Have you made a mess of things? Yep, you have. That is not a statement of accusation. It's just a statement of truth. And I can say it confidently because you're human and I'm human. I have a gift, you see. You know what that gift is, Brother Jimmy? I can take a bad situation and make it worse. I sure can. I sure can. Oh, if it was bad, just let me get my hands on it. Let me get my thinking on it. Let Jacob's humanity get on it. Let Jacob's fix-it attitude get on it. Brother Matthew, we can, we can go our whole lives all the time trying to fix, all the time trying to do, all the time trying to make it right. Brother Eddie, we can come in and be at the lowest place. Amen. Where just last week we felt we was on the mountaintop. You can come in the next week and be in the valley and think that you don't deserve anything of God. You don't deserve it because I told you, I told you all of hell, the enemy is always fighting. Sister Mary, has he quit bothering you? Has he given up on you? No. Oh, why? Because he's always at work, always trying. Can I tell you tonight is that one of the greatest tactics and tools and lies of hell is for you to think or for you to believe that you are too far gone. I pray the Holy Ghost let somebody that said on their heart tonight, you could have been from the situation where you knew all the things you're supposed to be doing. You knew all the ways you should be living. You know, you know that current the current situation is wrong. You know the current situation is not pleasing to God. You know the current situation has you removed from His presence. You can pretend, you can smile, you can act like you have it together, but on the inside you're tore apart. I want to remind you tonight: there is healing, there is forgiveness, there is power, there is mercy, all because of a God who's said I'll make a way and I'll stand in their place oh I don't know tonight I don't know why I don't know why we would maybe why I'd spend so much time on some of these things but I'm going to tell you tonight is that we must recognize and realize do, do not stay in that place where you are missing out on his presence and what he could do in your life because you think that what you have done or who you are or what you've been 
is too much for God. Because it's not. It simply is not. I want to turn the light switch on. Amen. Everybody in, in, here in East Texas, you know what wood roaches are. You ever had one of them dudes in your house before? Let me tell you something. If there's ever a time Sister Carolyn could just burn the whole house down, you let one of them dudes get loose. Amen. I'll never forget, we was working for Brother and Sister Goodwin there at Beach Creek. And one night, Sister Carol and I, we got settled down in the bed. We still had a little lamp on on the nightstand. And my wife, she got laser focused on the wall across the room. I said, what are you looking at? She said, I think there's a roach on the wall. I said, I don't see it. And about that time, I said, okay, oh, yeah, I see it. And it looked like something from the prehistoric dinosaur books I used to, I used to enjoy when I was a kid. And about the time that I saw it, she saw it, and we saw him, he saw us. And I kid you not, that dude took off the wall. Flying, and you never seen two people flip and flop out of that bed. I mean, Sister Carolyn, she it, it, it could have been a poisonous cockroach. She was going to lock me in there with it. She didn't care. She was on her way. Come on here. Amen. You turn that light on, buddy, they'll scatter. They'll go somewhere. Can I tell you tonight, I want to turn the light on. Listen to what your pastor's saying tonight. The devil delights to hide in the darkness of your doubts. He loves to hide in the darkness of your mind and your imagination. So what do we do? We go back to truth. We go back to the Word of God. Oh, can I remind you, when the enemy has you in the corner, up against the ropes and says it's over, you ought to turn the light on, the light of truth. The light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. Jerk the cover. I came to jerk the cover off the lie of the enemy that he's been feeding somebody. There's a God that loves you and a God that can pull you out of that place. Hallelujah. He sure can. He sure can. I'm yet to see anybody that he couldn't save. I'm yet to see anybody that he couldn't reach. Oh, hear what I'm saying. When we understand this, I want you to recognize and realize that John here is making a statement. Not only that we recognize the fact that he was the propitiation for our sins, but what does that mean to you? You can amen me and you can shout with me when you understand that, yes, God can. He can save me. Yes, he can forgive me. Yes, he took my place. But let me go a little bit further. Let me say that maybe tonight the struggle's not with sin. Maybe tonight the situation is not things that you are bound to. Maybe there's places of victory in your life. Maybe there's times as, as you've been serving God, there's some things that are behind you. And you don't struggle with it. But you have reached a complacent attitude. If we are not careful on the other side of the coin, we can have the mentality that we've always been saved, that we've always known. And Brother Torbert, if we're not careful, we can have a calloused attitude, not only with those around us who are experiencing the grace of God. There are times we want people in the church to hurry up and grow up. They need to get their act together. If they was really saved... want to make your pastor upset, you start talking that way about somebody. Well, if they has really saved this, if they has really saved that, if they has really saved this, let me just remind you, there was a time you was doing that. There was a time you were growing through that. There was a time, listen, well, I'm not here to beat somebody up and chase them out the door. Come on, as soon as they get in this thing. But we have been, that have been in the church, if you're not careful, you will lose a sense of compassion. You will lose a sense of care about those that are growing. When when the word of God tells us to let the elders to teach let the elders to show let the elders to exemplify that does not give you a license to be a self-righteous jerk amen brother Jake there's some folks I mean they love I've talked with some preachers and the only thing they cared about when they came out of a pulpit I've heard it with my own ears I've heard them say things buddy I nailed their hide to the wall today 
What kind of preaching is that? You feel good about yourself? You, you, got, a, you got your check mark your, in your box? You can leave that pulpit that you did not use as a tool to reach for the cause of Christ, but to act as a, as a pulpit to be a bully and to beat up on people. I do not agree with that. That is not the gospel. I never read in Scripture where Christ acted in such a way. And church, let me tell you, may God help us in this church. That is never the attitude, and that is never the condition of the heart. But what do we do? We come alongside those and we pray and we encourage and we reach out a hand what does the word of God say when you see one that has fallen ye that uh, that are spiritual with the spirit of meekness you reach out in meekness knowing that there's going to be a day that the same measure that you meet out it's going to be measured to you sister Anna I want to operate in mercy because God knows there's going to be times this man right here needs some mercy I need somebody to love on me. I need somebody to pray for me. I don't need somebody standing over me with venom dripping out of their mouth saying, I knew it. Come on here. You didn't know anything. You're just kicking somebody while they're down. Don't do that. Don't, you have not reached a pinnacle of spirituality or enlightenment to carry that attitude. You will never win somebody that way. Christ asked the question to the woman caught in the very act of adultery. Without being too graphic, I mean they pulled her out of the bed and drug her before Christ, testing him. They said, now this is what the law says has to be done. She deserves to be stoned. You know what I always wondered? They had that woman in front of Christ. Where was that man at? Mm-hmm. Where was that man at? It takes two to tango, baby. I'll tell you right now. Where was he at? But there, and, and Christ, Christ the whole time down in that dirt and that sand. We don't know what he wrote. We don't know if he would draw. We don't know what he's doing. But it said he had his finger down in the sand. And he simply told him, he said, You that are without sin, cast the first stone. And the Bible says from the eldest to the youngest, they dropped their stones and they left. And the Bible gives the inclination that Christ the whole time never even looks up at them. Because after the last stone has been dropped to the ground, he looks around and he says, Woman, where are your accusers? Where are they? And Christ says something. And today's church, the self-righteous in today's church would not have it. She should have went through all of the steps and all of the things. And all of, she should go to the discipleship class and learn exactly how to do this and how to do that. She should get baptized all over again. She needs a big theatrical appearance in the synagogue and pray and pour her heart out. And Jesus, the only thing he told her, he said, I don't condemn you either. He said, go and sin no more. And see, this, these were the things that drove religious people crazy. But this is the same thing that Christ is trying to tell us in the Word of God. We attach so many elements of righteousness to people. Our standards of righteousness and salvation is not that complicated. If it was, heaven would be for nobody. If it was, Jesus would have never went to the cross in the first place. Well, Brother Jacob, you've got to be careful. Don't dumb it down in such a way. People need to be changed. People need to be repent. And yes, I agree with all of that. And when Christ is doing the dealing, and Christ is doing the working, and Christ is doing the forgiving, and Christ is doing the mending, and Christ is doing the appeasing, and Christ is doing the patching, can I assure you, everything will come together as it should be. One of the biggest things, Sister Brenda... That early on in ministry I had to reconcile myself with. As I had to trust God's timetable with people. I had to trust it. Disciple them, yes. Encourage them, yes. Teach them, yes. But I had to trust God's timetable with people. Brother Michael, the way God worked on you and in you and through you. You, you, didn't, you didn't show up the next day after, it, after you got saved like this, knowing what you know, experiencing what you've experienced. Some of you don't know Brother Michael. 
Brother Michael, for years, was in a heavy metal band. He had hair down to here. And if you looked at pictures, his idol was Ozzy Osbourne. Am I right? His idol was Ozzy Osbourne. Looked like him. Had his glasses. Some of you, some of them know you, and they're shaking their head like, yeah, we've seen him. Had glasses like him and everything. When I met Brenda Michael, he looked like this. All clean cut and on fire for God and loving God. I, I never knew. And as, I, as he shared his testimony, where God brought him from and all those things. But I'm so glad that your next Sunday after you was born again, that the pastor didn't grab you by that long hair and say, buddy, we got to take care of this. And you've got to change it. No. Thank God there was some people in his life and just let God work. Did you know that God knows how to work better than you and I do? And let me say this, when God does a work, Brother Michael, how long now have you been serving God? 2011, so roughly 12 years now, right? And in this course of time, Michael has grown in God, filled with the Holy Ghost, called to preach. He just, just got ordained through the assemblies of God. He worked his way all the way through his ordination. I mean, I, but he did not, he was, he was not like that the next day. And here's the thing. We're trying to take, take people and make them like this the next day after they've been saved. Don't happen that way. And I, let me say this. When we allow God to work, it stays. It stays. It lasts. It lasts. But I'm saying this tonight. I'm talking about these attitudes that we religiously can have because understand, in the same token, somewhere along the way, those of us that can get religious minded and we can get all worked up over things and we can get all been out of shape over certain things and we want people to be this way and that way and all this and we get impatient and we're proud and we're prideful and all of these things you have forgotten the reason I'm just going to tell you you've forgotten the reason the word of God says as a matter of fact the woman who came to Christ with her alabaster box she came into that room, and we know the story. As she broke that alabaster box, there's been, a, there's been a lot of teaching and a lot of commentary on what that alabaster box represented. But I will assure you of this. Here's one thing we do know. It was the most valuable thing that woman possessed. And inside of that box was that oil. And she broke that box, and she had poured it over Christ. She anointed him. And the Bible says her tears were so many that she had enough tears. She washed his feet with her tears. And she dried them with her hair. Everybody was aghast. This was taboo. How dare a woman, especially in that culture, that time, even approach a man like that in a public setting. This was not his wife. This was not... I mean, that, that was a no, you don't do that. And everybody wanted to snatch her up. Everybody wanted to get her out of the room. Everybody wanted to criticize what she should have done with her gift. Hear me. And what was Christ's words? Leave her alone. He went on to say, because the one who's been forgiven of much... They are, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but they're thankful for much. They're grateful for much. They give in return. So I'm going to, I want to remind us, Victory Temple, the next time that we're sitting in here and you're just not in the mood to worship, let me say it again. I'm just not in the mood. You don't know what kind of day I had, Pastor. You don't know what's going on. Uh, we're singing that song for the 15th time this month. If we'd sing something different, I'd worship. Oh, well, here he goes. He's going to preach, and I, I know this is a 45-minuter, I'm telling you, and I've got to get out of here. We'll sit here, and we'll have, our, we'll have this inner dialogue, and don't act like you don't. We'll have this inner dialogue. And what, you know what amazes me? I'm just going to be very forthright with you. You know what amazes me is how we will come into God's house in his presence and the one who was our substitute. Paid the price, our propitiation, and we sit on our pews 
And we decipher whether we're going to get in or not. How dare you? How dare you? You're trying to decide whether you feel like worshiping or not. You, ma'am, or you, sir, you're wrong if you have that attitude. I love you, but I'm telling you the truth. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to sit back here. It is terrible, Sister Polly. You know, what, you know what the church should be full of? Listen, I know there's aches and pains. I know there's, I know there's some. I've talked with some and said, Pastor, I, I'd love to get down at the altar, but my knees won't function. I can't. I get it. I understand. Some of you can't bend. Some of you, you got shoulders and stuff so messed up, it's hard to get a hand up. But I'm going to tell you is that there are a plethora of ways to worship. And sitting there like a wooden Indian is not one of them. Sitting there and you can lift your voice and sing. Well, I'm not a good singer. Neither am I. But when I get this microphone, I'll act like I'm Kenny Henson. I'll join right in with the lady. I'll start singing. I don't care. I think for a hot minute I'm Jason Crabb. Amen. It don't matter. You know why? It's because whether it sounds good or not, I just want to say hallelujah. I just want to say, when I say let's raise our hands, I'm not saying it for my health. I'm not saying it to sound Spiritual, I'm trying to tell some people in this house, you ought to recognize whose presence we're in. You ought to not hesitate to give him the glory. Will I, won't I, should I, shouldn't I? You always should. And it always should be I will. Because he was the propitiation for my sins. That's what it means to be born again. Well, I don't act that way. Yes, you do. I've, I've been to some of your kids and grandkids' little league games. They don't know a touchdown from a, a, from a pass. But I've watched you in the crowd. Wow, wow, Come on. I've seen it. I've been there. I've watched. There was a woman I knew between here and China. You get her in a church, she was so stoic. Never, never moved, never said it, I mean never. And sometimes, Brother Torrid, I took it as a challenge. I thought, I'm going to get her to move today. <laughs> preach it hot, preach it heavy, shout, spit, run the aisle, jump on the pew right in front of her. <laughs> and I'll never forget, we was invited, her kids were playing basketball. We sat down beside her, and I mean, Brother Torbert, that woman came up. I sat there amazed. I told my wife in the car, I said, who was that woman? I said, she don't make a... She don't make a peep in the church, but she was unleashed in that gymnasium. And here's what I'm I know we've heard that analogy before, but all I'm asking, and it's not just your pastor. I'm, I'm just believing what God say. Don't you think he'd say, do you recognize what I've done? Do you recognize who I am? Do you re That's why he said that if we cannot praise him, said he would bring rocks to the point where they would praise him. Listen, I've seen all the analogies. I've heard it all. But at the end of the day, Brother Heath, I couldn't save myself. I can't make myself get to heaven. I'm a wretch of a man. But I know a man who is saved and is washed and is clean. And he loved me enough to baptize me in a spirit. To call me into the ministry. Allow me to do a work for him. So he is worthy of my praise. He is worthy. Of my worship. Be careful. Be careful. You sit there long enough. Stoic enough. Forgetting. What God has done. Never engage yourself. Involve yourself. Because I'm going to tell you. Some would say well it's not necessary. I would disagree. I think that it is. I can't shout enough, dance enough, holler enough, scream enough to save myself. I don't do those things to earn anything or try to work anything in regards to salvation. They are byproducts of the fact that I am thankful. 
I'm thankful. I was a dead man. I was a dead man. And I was brought back to life again. You hear what I'm saying? There's some of you. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And don't you forget it. You were dead men and dead women walking. But God reached down his hand. And he saved us. He justified me. And he became my propitiation. Therefore, let me conclude with this. Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'll come. I'm just about out of time. This is where John is relaying to those. If you look at the text in which we are reading, he reminds us of what Christ came to do. But he stipulates it with this. You treat your walk with God seriously. What did he tell him? He said, little children, he said, this is what I want to tell you. He said, sin not. Let's just stop right there. Sin not. This is where the gospel gets dumbed down. This is where grace gets taken advantage of. This is where salvation gets run amok. Is when we have been forgiven, Christ has saved us. We are turning, listen, turning from our wicked ways. But there are folks with the mentality, well, I'll always be a sinner. I'll always be this. This can't change my life. If that is the mentality and you believe there is a license to continue in sin, what did Paul tell us in Scripture? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. We don't do that. To him that knows to do right and does it not, to him it is a sin. We don't run around with a license and just say, oh, the grace of God, the grace of God. We don't do that. He said, listen, he said, sin not. Take this serious. Remember, because Sister Jerry, I don't want to make a mockery of what Christ did for me. I don't want to make a mockery of that. He said, but if a man does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have, we have one who stands in our place, pleads our case, is our propitiation. But we handle the things of God and Sister Anna, the gift of God that's eternal life. We guard it carefully. We guard it carefully. Treasure it. Respect it. Honor and appreciate what God has done. Live it. Live it. When we read out of 1 Corinthians 11th chapter, what is a scripture? We read it often. And it says, This do in remembrance of me. In partaking of these things, and I'm paraphrasing here, he says, but you do show the Lord's death till he comes. What does that mean, Brother Jacob? When Christ died for us to save us, we live this out every day. We show the reason why he died so that we could be born again. We live it out. And we're going to do it until Jesus comes. We're going to do it until he comes. I want to tell somebody tonight. You've been born again. And I want to tell you, you can stay saved. You can stay saved. Apply your hearts. Remember what he's done for you. Live it out daily. Treat it carefully and respectfully. And when we fall and when we falter, immediately take it to God. But when we take it to God, ask Him for the strength and the grace that we don't do it again. That we don't do it again. Don't treat sin lightly. Don't treat it as, well, God loves me. Yes, He loves you. Well, God's gracious. Yes, He's gracious. But we don't trample on the work of the cross. We don't make a mockery. And if we're continuing in things that we know better, then that's what you're doing. God, help us. Lord, I love you more than that.
I respect you more than that. I treasure you more than that. With heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, Jesus, I do thank you that you are our propitiation. You have appeased the Father. Your sacrifice, your blood that was shed, it appeased the Father. You patched it together. You bridged the gap where we were alienated, when our sins separated us. And Lord, I pray, help us not to forget. Forget what you have done. Help us, Lord, not to forget what has been accomplished in our lives. Don't let us get so far and so long along the way, Lord, that we grow calloused hearts. Help us, Lord, that we, that we don't treat lightly the work of the cross in our lives, the work of the blood of Jesus Christ, salvation. Lord, help us that we take living out, living out salvation seriously, reverently, with the fear of the Lord. And that's a, that our lives can be an example and a testimony, not because we are perfect, but because we're showing the fact of what God can do in an imperfect person, the strength He can give, the victory that can be provided in our lives. Tonight, church, maybe tonight you're here and you've battled. Maybe you have battled in your mind thinking, I can't get things right in my life until I get it right. Maybe you've been trying to clean some things up on your own before you really make a commitment to God. But tonight you need to know you will never get it good enough. You'll never get it right enough. You'll never clean it up enough. Maybe there's some in here you're saved, but maybe there's areas you've been battling. Maybe there's areas you've been struggling. It can be in mind, emotions. It can be places in your flesh. It can be different things that's going on. And tonight, maybe the devil has backed you into a corner and you're believing that you're not worthy. You, you would say, Brother Jacob, my walk with God, I feel like it's always under attack. I feel like I'm always battling my emotions. I'm always wondering if I'm, if I'm worthy enough for God to love me. But tonight, you hear what the Holy Ghost is trying to say. You hear what He's whispering to you. That you are loved and that God is, God is more than able to take those things and to bring healing to those places in your life. He can show you mercy. He can cleanse you. He can give you victory over those things as we surrender to Him. Maybe tonight we are those we've been born again. You've been in this thing a long time. But maybe it's been easy for your heart to be cold and hard and complacent. Maybe tonight you have... Maybe unknowingly and, and, and not realizing that taking on the attitude of will I or want I. We treat the presence of God as if it's optional. We treat the things of God as if it's convenient or not. We're holding on to a lot of pride and we're holding on to a lot of excuses. But tonight you recognize, you remember the work that Christ has done in your life. You remember tonight the place that he took for you and how much that means. And Lord, let us not hold back in our worship, in our living, in our testimony. Let us safeguard it. Let us treasure it. Let us live it out. If you're in any one of these places, in any one of these states of mind tonight, and truthfully, I believe with all of my heart, in one of these areas represents everybody in this house. In one of these areas represents everybody. Maybe tonight's tonight you need to come on back to Christ. Maybe tonight it's time for you to come on back home. You've been running. You've been doing your thing. You know you're not where you should be. You know that you're not where you should. You know there's things going on that are not pleasing to God. You know it's not right. And God's dealing with you right now. Not dealing to condemn, but He's dealing with you. He's dealing with you to show you mercy. He's dealing with you to let you know that this is an opportunity that you can make it right. Where are thine accusers? Where are they? And tonight in your mind and in your heart, you yourself, you're accusing and you're thinking, I, I, I can't do it. I, I can't. 
I'd have to change this. I'd have to break this away. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? I'm going to ask all that will. Right now, would you obey the Lord? Can we just come and find our place, ourselves a place in this altar? Would you come right now and say, Lord, Lord, tonight I need you. Tonight, Lord, I need to be reminded. Tonight, Lord, I do remember. Tonight, Lord, I'm not, I'm not here to try to put it all together. I know I don't have it right enough. I know I can't fix it enough. I know I'm not clean enough. I know I'm not spiritual enough. Oh, but Lord, here I am, and I offer myself to you. Here I am, Lord, and I know, I know I've got to get some things. I know I've got to get some things right. I know I've got to handle. I know that I've got to give some areas of my heart over. I know there's some things that I've allowed myself to be tormented with. I know there's some things that hell has fought me over. Oh, but tonight, Lamb of God, tonight, Lord, I'm leaning on your mercy. Tonight, Lord, I'm leaning on your mercy. I'm asking you, Lord, for your grace. There's no place I'll